BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022 by making investments from coast to coast. Investments like building charging hubs for fleets of electric buses in California and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Fox 2 presents Hancock and Kelly. Welcome to Hancock and Kelly here on Fox 2 on your Sunday morning. On the right, right over here is John Hancock. Hello, everybody. Good to see you. And that right there on the left is Michael Kelly. Good morning. And I'm John Brown. A couple weeks don't, off, I had to find the place again. Don't here. you think he's starting to look like Rand Paul over here, oh. Brown? I mean, he's got the hair. Wow. Going. You went we Rand Paul on him right off the shave bat. shave my head right now? I'm thinking about letting mine grow out, too, Brown. Are you? Yeah, yeah we'll see. Oh, well, you will look like Bernie Sanders. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Big story this week, of course. The reaction to the mass shootings from last weekend. Now, okay, here's the latest we'll discuss right after this once we get up to speed. We're learning more about the circumstances surrounding last weekend's deadly shootings in Ohio and Texas. This as the debate over gun control continues nationwide. Newly released 911 calls in the Dayton shooting reveal some of the horror experienced that night. Chaos as dispatchers fielded calls from witnesses. No, we just. There were shots and everybody laid down. And that's where my friends And another development in the attack in El Paso. The mother of the suspected shooter reportedly calling police weeks before her son opened fire to seek information about the gun he owned. Her lawyer says she contacted the Allen Police Department because she was concerned about whether he was mature enough to have it. A department spokesperson says they are not aware of the call. They have done an incredible job. Both places just incredible. And the, the enthusiasm, the love, the respect. President Trump's Wednesday visits to Dayton and El Paso drawing criticism. Met with protesters in both cities, critics say they feel his divisive rhetoric helped spark the violence. They're also calling for increased gun control measures. He is somebody who has really divided the country and used racist language to harm um, people and to demonize people, which is only emboldened these mass shooters. More than 200 mayors signing a letter calling for Senate Majority Leader Mitch McConnell to bring to a vote legislation expanding background checks. The mayors of El Paso and Dayton among them. In Washington, Lauren Blanchard, Fox News. All right, Michael, you're up first. Your thoughts on what transpired over this past seven or eight days here? It's sad, um, but unfortunately, it's becoming a reality. I mean, of the life that we're going to live, it's, uh, you worry that at any day it can happen in any community, maybe even right here. Um, you know, I thought after Sandy Hook and we saw those babies mowed down, we had this same fervor and that people would stand up and have common sense gun reform. We allowed the Republicans and the NRA to lull us to sleep. Then we had several more shootings, and we come upon Parkland, and we had hope again that, that we are finally going to get some rational thought as it relates to guns. And here we sit again, two shootings in one day, a president of the United States visiting two mass shootings in one day. Um, and yet we're, you know, we're begging Mitch McConnell to not continue to pay attention to the paymasters of the NRA and impose common sense gun reform. The Republicans are on the wrong side of history, and we need to get this fixed. Well, there is a place where Democrats and Republicans can come together on this issue, and, and, and it is this. There are some people in this country that should not own 
firearms. Uh, the question becomes, how do we identify them? How do we weed them out? And what happens? And I think Congress can come together on some of these red flag laws and get the hands out of the, uh, get the guns out of the hands of the dangerous, mentally unstable people out there. And if you look at all of these shootings that have happened, the people doing the shootings have got some serious, serious issues. And clearly those are people that shouldn't have had those kinds of and, weapons. And if we look at these shootings, they are happening with weapons of war. These aren't guns that are for personal safety. They're not guns that are used to go out and hunt or for sport. They are weapons that were invented to kill a lot of people in a short period of time. We need to reimpose the assault weapons ban. This is not an infringement on the Second Amendment. It is common sense. Well, it is an infringement on the Second Amendment, uh, by definition. And uh, it, look. So is saying that the, somebody who's got a mental issue, they have a Second Amendment right as well, John. Sure. So we can adjust amendments. We can deal with some changes. Grant you Weapons that. of war should not be but sold. But banning a class of, of gun is not going to stop and prevent these kinds of mass casualty occurrences. You can, you can do them with pistols if, you, if you're so driven. The problem isn't the tool, it's the wielder of the tool, and that's really what we need to focus on and address. All right, let's take a look at some polling on the issue that just came out this past week. According to this Politico Morning Consult poll, 73% of all voters support stricter gun laws at this point. That's up from 67% in spring of last year. That means majority of Democrats, 91%, Republicans, 54%, and independents, 70% support stricter gun laws. Again, that is Politico Morning Consult. Let's go to this next one here. People say it's politically risky to go after gun laws, but not necessarily the case if you look at the polling here. According to this poll, by once again by Politico, 84% of voters want to prevent people convicted of violent misdemeanors from purchasing guns. 83% don't think people under the age of 21 should buy a gun. 80% think there should be a mandatory three-day waiting period, and 72%, that one surprised me, 72% here say they support banning high-capacity magazines. You know, back to what you were saying a second ago, background checks and these, these red flag laws, I, that opens you up to all sorts of problems. One, from looking back here, very few of these mass shooters would have been caught in a background check because some have even taken guns from family members, and red flag laws, then you're going to have swatting. You know, I could call anybody and say, John Hancock's a danger. You need to get over there right now and, and check him out. Then you've got all kinds of issues. So there aren't any simple answers here. You could, but, the, but at least with a red flag law, you're, you're bringing due process to the table. And so you do create a due process. And there are ways to address the frivolous, you know, turning people in falsely. Uh, that can be uh, a crime as well. So, you know, I, I think the key, if you, if you want to, and you're never going to stop mass, mass casualty Instance. Really? I mean, you're that's where gonna we're, we're going to well, go, and we're just, just going to accept this as a reality. Culture. Yes, it's a reality it's because culture. you guys have had these ridiculous pieces. We can do all these things. We can impose the red flag law. We can impose background checks. We can ban assault weapons. We can make them illegal. Why can't we? Why do we have to sit here and allow this to be the norm? Because soon, John, it's going to happen in Chesterfield or O'Fallon or someplace close to home. It's happening everywhere. It's a tragedy it's every time it happens. Access to but it's not the tool that's the problem. You're, you're going to. You are not going to end mass casualty situations. We didn't have mass casualty right. shootings like well, this before they had this gun. Now they're culture. legal. Our culture has had severe decay in it, too. It's a cultural problem, and it's a mental health problem. Yeah, you know, we what, have had decay in the White House for sure. What about this, this idea here? I saw somebody floating this one out there. What about, you know, 
I don't know, outlawing, that wouldn't be the right word, but uh, restricting the sale of high-capacity magazines and making magazines of five rounds or less. That way, if a shooter's out there, they have to reload after five. Yes, it's still going to be bad, but you're not going to have somebody popping off 100 shots. Of course, it's common sense, but here's the problem, John. The Republican Party is controlled by the NRA. These aren't new. These polling numbers that have a majority of people wanting common sense gun reforms, that's been consistent, even in these lulls. They are owned by the NRA. They are fighting a ridiculous battle, and common sense has left this party. Law-abiding citizens shouldn't have to pay a penalty for the actions of a few bad actors. We need to identify the bad actors, get the weapons out of their hands, and do everything we can to fight this thing. Penalizing law-abiding citizens is not the answer. All right, still to come here on Hancock & Kelly, a lot of political news in St. Louis County this past week. Seems that nobody cared, though, but two new members of the county council were elected. Nobody showed up to vote for them, though. And the former executive also gets some bad news. To hear more, listen to the podcast. Just search for Hancock and Kelly. It was a big week in local politics. First up, Steve Stinger finds out how much time he's getting in prison. He, of course, pleaded guilty to three counts of theft of honest services, bribery and mail fraud following his arrest for a pay-to-play scheme that he set up in county government contracts. Now, he's going to be away from his pregnant wife and two kids for pretty bad actions as a public servant. Prosecutors say this needs to send a message so that other elected officials don't think that they can profit from public service. You know, John, these kind of stories, you, you think a judge is going to put out a, a harsh sentence like this to send a message, but does it really send a message? I mean, if it sent a message, then Stinger wouldn't have done that because he saw what Blagojevich did. Oh, yeah. no, I don't think it sends a message. Oh, to I do. You do? Uh, oh, I absolutely think hmm. it sends a message. Then why didn't he learn and, a message? Uh, well, we hadn't had a case like this in, in Missouri for quite some time. And I've never seen a case where you go to prison for four years for uh, campaign donations. I mean, that, you know, that is highly unusual. And I think people are going to be very, very, very careful going forward on how they deal within their official capacity in their office with the donors to their campaign. Because that's what this is. This wasn't people handing over black sacks of money to Steve Stanger. This was campaign donations. You know, Michael, I think it does send a message to people who think that they can pay to play. You know, I don't, politicians are so arrogant at times, I don't think they get the message. But if I'm a businessman and I think I can slip you 5000 bucks to get a contract, right. I'm really going to think twice about this. Right, and in this instance, he was slipping them to, in campaign contributions, mm -hmm. like John said. But having said that, yeah, it's definitely going to send a message. We haven't had this. The reality is, is money has been around politics since the beginning of politics. It existed with the Romans. It existed all the time. And people do need to be reminded, especially when you have a bad actor like this. All right, let's talk about the guy who replaced him here, Sam Page. Seems to have calmed things down quite a bit, much like Governor Parson did after Greitens resigned. Uh, your thoughts on how he has handled this transition? Because when you, when you talk to him and some of the others, they had no interest in what happened to Stinger at this point. They're like, good, good riddance. We're moving on with the county's business. Well, I haven't been impressed with the way the county executive, a lot like Governor Parson did. I mean, there's a halo effect when you follow somebody who is so is terrible as what we just saw and that the governor government exposed, there's a halo effect that comes around them. But it's also about what are the next steps? And to this point, Sam Page has been quite impressive with what he has put together and bringing stability back to St. Louis County. Now, they need to bring some more stability back to that county council, 
because it's been more exciting to watch the ruckusness of the county council than the city of St. Louis. Who would have ever have thought there'd be a day that that would be the case? Yeah. Well, you know, it never happens where some popular politician decides to leave office. <laughs> uh, you know, when you when you decide to leave office, nobody likes you. Uh -huh. And so replacing somebody like that is a is quite a political asset. And and you, we saw it with with Mike Parson, and now we see it with Sam Page. All right, but I'm going to call you out. You Republicans blew it on this last election, and here's why. Uh -oh. Special election this week saw two Democrats win, even though hardly anybody showed up. County Council District 1, the Democrat won with 4,000 votes. Republican got 581. This is a big county, guys. District 2, Democrat got 5,700. Republican got 4,700. That's the size of some big Catholic families in this area. You got to rally your troops when you were able to keep the county. You had the, the control of the county council for a we while. We did. And you lost it. Uh, we did. And, uh, you know, these, these races don't generate a lot of great deal of interest. It's true. And both of those districts, if, you, if, if everybody turns out, both of those districts are Democratic districts. So the, the candidate that won was a candidate that would have won had everybody voted. Yeah, and I, I look, it was a quirk that allowed the Republicans to be in control of the right. county council because uh, Sam Page appointed Hazel Irby along with the vaca vacation of his own seat. That gave the Republicans, nobody thought the Republicans were in control of the county council. And nobody thought the Republicans <laughs> could win these two seats. But to me, politically, I, I would, I mean, no one even knew this election was going to take place. If the Republicans right. had a good mechanism in place, yeah, they could no. have said, keep it on the down low. And then on election day, we're going to come out yeah. in droves and win these seats. You can it steal. You can steal, not, not literally steal, right. but you can, you can win a special election that's very low turnout in a district that you, you know, would otherwise have no chance of winning. That is doable. Then, then the question becomes cost. Uh, what's, is, it, is it worth putting the resources into a seat you're going to hold for two years mm -hmm. uh, when you're not going to be able to hold it? So, you know, that really becomes a cost-benefit equation that the political machinery has to figure out. All right, St. Louis County Police unveiled their new body cams this week. Chief John Belmar expects 700 of the department's roughly 950 officers to have these body cameras. Plus, all 350 marked cars will also be equipped with those cameras in the next few months. The cameras being paid for using funds from Prop P, which voters uh, approved there. The tax hike approved by county voters back in April of 2017. On the flip side, St. Louis City Board of Aldermen President Lewis Reed says he's disappointed that St. Louis City officers still do not have body cameras. Now, I heard you telling the story, Michael Kelly, about what you saw taking place in your neighborhood this weekend. Cameras would have probably helped that. You want to well, that I think body cameras are important. I think they're just as important for the police as they are for the citizens, and more likely uh, the citizens are, uh, that would be protected and the police would be protected. And, you know, we've watched this scrutiny of police officers, and I get that there are bad actors out there and they should be held accountable and they should throw the book at them, but I witnessed an interaction where an officer was being messed with by some young people who, who, who was assaulting, they, they virtually assaulted the man. He put him in arrest. I go inside the restaurant. I continue to watch the whole thing. I come out later. There's people videotaping the thing, and they're asking the police officer, why are you messing with these kids? You shouldn't be doing it. Three of them. Look, I witnessed so the whole the thing. Right? They, didn't they didn't see, see the, the beginning. beginning. So the benefit that is out is going to the people that the people that the police are going after. It shouldn't be that way. Body cameras would be a huge step forward in fixing that. Yeah, and they, they would be very helpful for the police in that sometimes criminals lie. Hmm. And uh, if you've got the body camera on, you're going to solve that problem. The other thing it will do is where you do have an officer that might be prone to do something he shouldn't or she shouldn't do, 
that camera will be a restraint on it, that officer and make them follow procedures. We so had I think the it's fifth good. anniversary of the death of Michael Brown. How different might the world be right now? Literally, the world be might right, right now had there been a body camera on that officer. Well, and there was an incident recently in Webster Groves where what the person said happened, come to find out, didn't actually happen. Right. And the officers were able to defend themselves in that case. So I think it's vital for everybody to get these. All right, still to come on Hancock and Kelly, we're going to do a little news potpourri, some rather interesting stories coming up, including bad optics when you go to a mass shooting scene. All right, time for a little news potpourri here on Hancock and Kelly. Okay, so this is a picture that was taken when President Trump and the First Lady went to visit the, uh, the families there. This one was down in El Paso. And you can see that's the baby that was orphaned when her two parents were killed. And President Trump is giving the thumbs up. He's taken a lot of heat for this because of the optics of it. Um, I think if you're, and, and I, I'm not normally very critical of politicians because people ask you to take pictures all the time. It doesn't come out right. This is one where your advisor needs to step in and say, Okay, now th this is not a good idea. John, reading too much into this or not? Well, this Donald Trump, if you've ever seen him take a picture, you know, a stand up with somebody, he always gives the thumbs. Mm -hmm. That's, a, that's a, a typical standard way he does. I hope this poor kid, uh, I hope people fund an endowment for mm -hmm. this child and, and make sure she gets educated. I mean, what a, talk about a tragedy to lose both of your parents before you know them. I mean, Maybe I the NRA could do that. It's unimaginable. Well, somebody should. I mean, they, they really should. Look, I, I'm going to say something nice about the president. I don't think he intended to make that uh, a bad thing. Look, the president of the United States, any politician gets bothered constantly for photos. It was definitely a bad picture, but there are plenty of other reasons. And as it relates to having an advisor tell Donald Trump something, that's a good point. Hello, what, what, we would like an advisor to tell him to act presidential. All right, let's also talk about Joe Biden, some of his comments about poor kids this week. Did you hear this one? We have this notion that somehow if you're poor, you cannot do it. Poor kids are just as bright and just as talented as white kids, P wealthy kids, black kids, Asian kids. No, I really mean it, but think how we think about it. We think now we're going to dumb it down. They can do anything anybody else can do, give it a shot. All right. <laughs> Biden's campaign says he misspoke, immediately corrected himself, referring instead to wealthy kids. Um, I, I don't know. Yeah. Sa same situation, just He misspoke. Speak. It was a blunder. It was a gaffe. And unfortunately, Joe Biden's got a couple of those um, in this most recent thing. But to be critical of him on that is, is silly because he did. He, he, we all understood the intent of what he He said. calls himself a gaffe machine. It, is, it is not news that Joe Biden misspoke. And it will happen again and again and again this week. But at least you won't have to read it on Twitter. Hey, all right. And we have one more here. Uh, the most important story of the week, I think, largely ignored. Does your cat know its name or is it just ignoring you? Yeah, we saved this one for last, guys. Researchers from Japan experimented to see how cats would react to their names in the cat's home and with the owners out of view. It's hard to follow the research here, but what they found out is your cat does know its name. It just doesn't care when you call it. Yeah. Any comment on that one? Your dog, your dog knows its name. And he'll come. That's yeah. why dogs are Well, that's are right. Very that's dogs are the best. Cats In are... my ever attempt to always alienate people, I don't get cats. I don't see. I, they, they don't seem to like you. What do you do with a I, cat I, when I, you I, have I, one? It's like hanging out with Kelly. And yeah. even when they... Well, I don't know about that. <laughs> you're you're a, a cool. You're a cool cat. There's a few people who like him. All right. Still to come on Hancock and Kelly, it's time for Final Thoughts. Oh, Stick yeah. around. <laughs> Yeah, 
It is time for final thoughts here on Hancock and Kelly and Michael Kelly got the short straw. You get to go first today. I don't have much to say. I want to listen to Hancock's final thoughts. Well, you're, so, you're g- granting your time? Yeah. The floor? Yeah. Wow. So I got to thinking the other day, Brown, you know, the last National League pitcher who won 30 games. Any, any idea? I know. It's Dizzy Dean. Dizzy Dean of St. Louis Cardinals, 1934, who won the World Series. And, you know, two of my favorite things. So I was Googling Dizzy Dean and so yeah. forth. And I, didn't, had, I had no idea what a talented man Dizzy Dean was. Hall of Famer, mm-hmm. Dizzy Dean. And marrying two of my favorite things other than politics, baseball and bluegrass. Ugh. And the best thing of it is I found out it drives Kelly crazy. Bluegrass. So bluegrass? I got onto the YouTube the other day, and here's Dizzy Dean, the Hall of Famer, singing that great bluegrass classic, Wabash Cannonball. Turn that up. No way that's Dizzy Dean. That's Dizzy Dean. That is the great Dizzy Dean. It is Dizzy Dean, but that's not music. Of course it's music. Bluegrass Hancock is telling me, you don't understand. This is the basis of everything musical that we have in our society, and it's Dizzy Dean, and I'm like... It sounds terrible. He's not even fine. He's got a fine voice, but he, does. he, he can't carry a tune. He didn't carry them perfectly. He carried might as well just be an auctioneer. That's an old folk, <laughs> folk <laughs> melody. You've got the greatest guitarist of all time there's on Roy the right Clark. there, Roy Clark. Roy I don't know if you guys have ever seen him. Oh my God! I'll bet. I'll bet even old Grandpa Jones is back. The fact that he's wearing those clothes ought to be enough for us to say that this is got him kicked out of the Cardinals Hall of Fame. Dizzy Dean graduated from the second grade. And stopped going to formal school. Uh, and the man could sing. There's no question about it. And here's the bluegrass music. Here's the Dizzy Dean. Wow. Back when the Cardinals were the greatest team on the land. Uh, not right now. Uh, but I will say thank you for bringing that up because I was just in Branson last week. Yeah. Did you know almost everybody down there supports him? I would imagine so. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. He goes down well, to Branson. Branson. He's like the mayor. He walks through Branson oh, and this guy. Buddy, it, it's a, I'm big in Branson. It's backward thinking galore down there. Oh, come on. Beautiful place. <laughs> Great golf down there, by the way. Hey, thanks for watching Hancock and Kelly this week. Remember, if you missed any part of the show, you can download it there. Just click it right there. Look, Search for Hancock or Kelly on your smartphone. Chris, uh, Fox News Sunday with Chris Wallace is coming up next, and I'm finishing with a bang here. Stumble through the whole thing. We'll see you next weekend. Wallbass Cannonball. I uh, the music. I think.